the Siberian ice cap to the Eiffel Tower from the center of the earth to the streets of San Francisco as James Bond finally met his match find out in A View to a Kill Oh, listeners. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the show. It is our annual Black Friday episode piece. <gasps> it's always Black have an episode Friday. on Black Friday, and we oh, always save a very special movie to talk about. You know what that means? That means it's close to my birthday. It is, yep. Uh, listeners, you're in for a treat. This movie is insane. But this theme song, might I add, that you're listening to, this shit is fire. Yeah. Listeners, right. my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the movies, movies that, that made, made us gay. gay. Yes, Garrett Mitchell, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to talk about James Bond. (laughs) We're excited to have you on to talk about James Bond. You sound like you know your stuff when it comes to this franchise and this movie. So this is going to be fun. Yeah, so you reached out wanting to do a James Bond episode. And, I mean, I jumped at the chance of that just because what a fun Cuckoo Bananas franchise to talk about. Absolutely. And I mean this entry in particular yeah. too. Like, Due to a kill, oh fucking rocks. Um, <laughs> I it's been. A, I think I last saw this movie about ten years ago. Okay. Yeah. So God, I, has it been that long? It's been that long. Okay. I want to say we saw the Had of the Skit Made live recording of this, and that is the first time oh, I geez. ever watched this movie. Wow. We can talk a little I bit about that. our backgrounds with James Bond. Yeah. Too. So. Yeah, why don't we let uh, why don't we let our guests uh, talk about wh- where you come from as far as like this movie and and James Bond and and all of that good stuff. Yeah, I'm essentially I grew up at, as an army brat, um, and we moved around a lot. And whenever my dad would uh, come back from deployment, uh, we would watch a James Bond movie. Now, I was a pretty effeminate kid. And this was the one thing that my dad and I would have in common. <laughs> and I think that we kind of created a language around it. It was like a place where we would understand each other's references when I wasn't talking about Charlie's Angels or <laughs> uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show and yeah. him just looking at me befuddled. Uh, Why does this eight-year-old in 2001 know <laughs> that? Um, so, uh, but... Uh, the series, the first one that I saw was The Man with the Golden Gun from 1974. Uh, not a notable one. Right. Not yeah, a yeah. good one at, <laughs> by any means. And Man with the Golden Gun, that is... Is that Roger Moore? No. That... It is. Oh, it is, uh, it is Roger Moore, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. With Christopher uh, Lee and Britt Eklund. <gasps> oh, sure. Bay Villages. So Ooh, I, uh, remember bits as Nick- I remember bits and pieces <laughs> of uh, Man with the Golden Gun on uh, basic cable when I was a kid. Mm. Okay, so you've got Tattoo from Fantasy Island, Britt Eklund, yeah. I mean, socialite du jour, love it, and Christopher Lee. That's kind of, it's kind of a good combo right there, but you're right. It's not kind of a noteworthy entry or one that we, you know, gets talked about a lot. Right. That is kind of the um, beginning of the first stage of, like, Bond really just going down to the gutter, uh, <laughs> and they had to revive it in 77 with The Spy Who Loved Me with Roger Moore again. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, by this point, for a view to a kill in '85, Roger Moore has been doing this for 12 years, and wow. he shows wow. uh, about 70 years on his <laughs> yeah. face. So. Grandpa can kind of get it though. 
<laughs> I think he's. I think Roger Moore is kind of sexy in this movie. Yeah, I, I I love a man who can rock a safari suit uh, with confidence. Oh my god! I mean, yeah. There, I mean, there's a reason they picked him. It is wild that he was Bond for that long. And we were talking about. I mean, I know he was 57 when he made this movie. And we're saying, I mean, Daniel Craig's got to be... Daniel Craig has to be in his 53 50s. by now. But I feel like Daniel Craig, towards the end of it, was very vocal of, I'm too old for this shit. They're going to have to kill me off. <laughs> right. And back in the day, there was... These movies were so episodic. Yeah. Yeah. And there wasn't really an, a reference to Bond aging. Right. And that you have to disconnect from yeah. uh, the reality of the situation that he's standing next to a 20 something year old TV actress yeah. for most of the film, uh, rest in peace, Tanya Roberts. Oh, uh, yeah. no. but he just looks like her grandfather the entire time. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, I, we talk Roger about Roger though. Yeah. He's oh, yeah. my favorite. Oh, okay. Love, yeah. Love that. Love that. I mean, he's the one that I grew up on. Um, we talk about this a lot on this show, just kind of like this idea of movies in the 70s and the 80s. They, they were very important. And yes, movie fans were able to see them on multiple viewings if they were revived and brought back into the theaters. But right around the time that VCRs kind of became household items, Movies were just even with the VCR. You kids watch movies over and over again, but adults kind of like you rented it, you saw it, and you're right. Episodic entries like the '70s and '80s James Bond movies. I feel like fans were just able to watch them. Great James Bond, move on. Okay, yeah. now there's another one. And n- nowadays, I don't know that they could, that they could go back to this kind of storytelling with a new, you know, with James Bond again, even if they, even when they recast it, you know. I agree. I mean, we're in an era of hyper continuity with everything and everything has to be connected yeah. in some way uh, for the potential of a spinoff, yeah. uh, potential of monetizing this as much as possible. And um, I really do enjoy that you can put on any sort of random James Bond movie from this era and just dive in without having known what preceded it. Right. They all tend to have the kind of the bare bones plot. I mean, the Bond movies are, the plots are always flimsy, but I I mean, it's always bad guy, usually um, hijacks, warheads. I mean, you can kind of fill in the blank of anything of what they're trying to do. Scott was really gagging at this movie at how closely it stuck to the Austin Powers formula. Oh, no. Well, when we were watching... Okay, so yesterday I watched Thunderball. Oh, like, Thunder, there was Thunderball. I watched Thunderball yeah. in the afternoon, and I'm like, holy shit, like... This is straight Jay Roach, like... This is just, just an Austin Powers ...lifted movie. scenes from Thunderball and put them in Austin Powers. Because my background with James Bond, like you, I would watch them with my dad. I want to say it was around Thanksgiving, kind of Christmas, wintertime... Mm-hmm. TBS would always do the James Bond marathons. And I remember watching them with my dad. And kind of similar. It, it's kind of perfect queer kid and dad cinema. <laughs> that, like, you can watch them together and everybody has a good time. Because they're not quite, like, hyper-masculine, like, Rocky or Rambo. <laughs> like, you get the fun camp value of well, it. You, you get, get a Bond girl. You get all of the Bond girls. Yeah. So there's a lot of fun to be had. You get fashion. You get fashion. <laughs> you get yep. Globetrotting. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, in this movie, we get Grace Jones. Yeah. I mean. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So I was a kid in the 80s when this came out. Um, I was pretty young in 85, but I do um, remember seeing this in the theater with my dad and my sister. 
Um, same. I think that me and my dad, we we bonded definitely over over James Bond, and we kind of had the same deal with Star Trek as well. I really liked those movies. I was into science fiction, and so I was able to go with him to the, every time there was a new Star Trek movie and watch, you know, the Next Generation and all that. And with James Bond, it was kind of that thing where it's like, I don't know what to get my dad for like his birthday or whatever. Like, I'll just get him a James Bond movie, like, <laughs> or like a new box set or whatever. Um, my sister and I in the '80s were obsessed with Grace Jones. We just thought that she was she, she was this entity that kind of came into Hollywood. Yeah. And, um, you know, she was in these movies. She was in Conan the Destroyer. She's in this. Um, she's the a pee pers- Christmas special. Well, yeah, that's a couple years later. She's about three years later. She's in the Pee-wee's Christmas special. And she was just this kind of personality that my sister and I were obsessed with. She was just, we knew she was cool. We knew she was avant-garde. Um, anything she would, I mean, Mayday in this movie had, does these like feats of strength that are, insane uh she kind of has this mouth on her like you know when she's trying to get tanya roberts away from james bond she's very much like talk to the hand she's just cool right and same thing in uh conan the destroyer and the other thing about grace jones that we were fascinated and obsessed with was the fact that she would wear these risque outfits yeah in these movies and you always like saw her ass because she was wearing like a, you know like a thong or something we were just like th- my sister and i ate and 10 years old are just like work grace jones you know like we don't know why we love her but we just did and so that really struck a a, a chord with me in this movie just having mayday and then um superman 2 also has this eiffel tower scene so i'm just like okay this is this this is where it's at. This is where all the cool movies have like you're gonna fu- don't get in that elevator because you're gonna fucking fall. Did you see if you do a kill in the theater? I am pretty sure I did. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So there was all this shit in this in this movie that that I I was able to latch onto as this as a kid. Octopussy as well. I feel like that one was a that one came out around the same time, and we were we were kids, and that you know we had a, a Betamax player, so we probably rented it on that. Um. And so, yeah, to me, Roger Moore was always James Bond. To me, I was like, Sean Connery, who's that old guy? Like, he looked old to me, but mm-hmm. you know, what did I know? Right. I, I think when it comes to Roger Moore, I, well, when it comes to James Bond first, I think we're so loyal to the ones that are our yeah. first, yes, the one that we were introduced to first that uh, we kind of have a great affection for. Um, and in Octopussy, uh, a little bit of trivia, Faye Dunaway was bandied about for that role and so was grace jones oh uh titular role but faye dunaway is too expensive at that time this is 1983 and there was like a rule that a bond girl cannot make a certain amount of money (laughs) um i I feel like they kind of i mean it took until halle berry and die another day that the bond girl could be like a huge A-lister that had an Oscar. Right. I, yep. I mean, that those roles have changed so much, but they always kind of were representative of like, you know, pulpy kind of visions of femininity. Yeah. But uh, Honor Blackman, I would say, came from like TV at, with the Avengers and she was a pretty like kick-ass woman. Yeah. Um, playing pussy galore. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Grace Jones is in a league of her own. She... Uh, 
really transcends beyond that hench person role and makes it so much more than what's on the page, whether it's through her fashion, her mannerisms, just like her like steely expression Uh. of hate toward Roger Moore the entire movie. (laughs) I read something. I forgot what review it was. It was either in the Wikipedia or the IMDb, but somebody, somebody said that like the fact that Mayday and James Bond kind of like team up towards the end takes a little Mm -hmm. steam out of her character you kind of want them to have like a fight to the death where he throws her off a bridge or something or off a moving train or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, in the end, she has this, this moment with James, which I don't know. I, I, it's kind of fun when you watch it, that they kind of do team up against, against the yeah, evil. I don't mind it. I think it works. Yeah. She's dejected and jilted yeah, by her yeah. like Aryan lover oh who God. just like leaves her to die. Yeah. Um, but well, the other uh, great thing about Mayday is that, like you said, she's not, the Bond girl, she's the henchman, right? And had that ever been done before, that the henchman is a woman and is a sexy woman, you know, like, it, it, I just her being this character is this whole new kind of dynamic in this formula that we have of, you know, the maniacal industrialist, you know, character and his henchman, whether it be, you know, Jaws or, uh, you know, What's his name? Throwing the hat. Random task. Random. Not random. Not random task. <laughs> he throws a shoe. He throws a shoe. Uh, throws a shoe. <laughs> That's my thing. Is that I grew up. I grew up on Austin Powers, and I'm so familiar with Austin Powers that it's funny to go back and watch these older movies, and you can see where they pulled the references from. Yeah, yeah. Like when I was watching Thunderball, and there's the full out scene in Spectre where they're in the boardroom with the chairs. And he pushes the button. And he pushes the button. <laughs> Time to die. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh my God. Like, it is- and in this movie, the scene with a lot of vagina in the hot. <laughs> yes. Uh, the bubbles tickle my Tchaikovsky yeah. as is uttered in this film. Oh my um, God. Please put that on my tombstone. That <laughs> needs an and that, they, did they try to, no, they didn't try to get Maude Adams back for that role. They tried to get somebody back for that role. They tried to get Barbara Bach uh, okay. as Agent Triple X from The Spy oh, Who Loved Me from 1977. <laughs> but by that point, she was with Ringo Starr, and uh, she didn't need to act anymore. Sure, yeah. So she was like, I'm good. She's above it. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so Maude Adams was Octopussy. She was, okay. and she was also in The Man with Golden Gun as a, uh, like, the uh, girlfriend of the villain, okay. and she doesn't make it to the third act so uh, this series is notable for often recast like casting recurring actors in different parts sure. uh because continuity damned yeah and uh, <laughs> yeah i think that this series in particular gave me a, a fast and loose appreciation of like we don't really need to follow these rules right of yeah. just it, it's very much just let's just have fun. Let's make this as farcical as possible. Let's uh, put California girls in a ski chase. Oh like I was envisioning <laughs> that open it because the big Bond opening scene is it's set in Iceland. I mean, it's shot in Iceland. I'm not really sure where it's, where it's set. I think it's supposed to be like Siberia. Yeah, I thought it was yeah, they said Russia. Siberia, but yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think that lo- that really looks like <laughs> Russia. But, um, but yeah, there's the famous snowboarding scene and we're talking mid eighties. Snowboard is very, very new. And yeah, just cue up California Girls by the Beach Boys. And I was just envisioning the editors putting it in a rough edit of just like, we don't have to keep it in. 
Like, let's. This is funny. It'll make it'll make the director, uh, John Glenn, laugh. Let's just let's just keep it in. And then it ended up to the finished print. And it, if you uh, check, it's not even like the actual Beach Boys version. Oh, it is a like sound cover? a like cover because they're so cheap that they don't want to get the originals. Wow. I, I love that. I, I just yeah. love how they're like, we're not going to pay the royalties for this. That's a good sound alike. We both, neither one of us got <laughs> yeah. it. And we're pretty good at that. And neither one of us got it. That's a kind of amazing. <laughs> I love that shit. Um, okay. So we were talking uh, briefly touched upon. Uh, the plot of this movie. Um, the plot of this movie is microchips. Ins- insane. Like, I feel like we don't really get to the actual crux of what our villain's plan is until 57 minutes into the, the boardroom in the blimp. Yes. Where yes. Zoran lays out his plan is 57 minutes. He has his beautiful models. But, mm-hmm. Okay, this in, first in the of all, blimp. First of all, James Bond villains love their uh, models. <laughs> yeah, scale mo- scale models of towns, models. Of, of buildings, anything. We, we got. We have to talk about this this freaking blimp. But before that, we'll talk about the main villain of this movie. It's not somebody that comes back from you know from Spectre, which is this evil organization that is, you know of these megalomaniacs that are trying to take down the world. Um, this uh, new character of Max Zorin, I, I, brand new to this movie, you know, standalone <laughs> villain. Um, and his gig is that he is a like tech guy, tech bro, <laughs> some sort of tech industrialist billionaire who yeah. also is into horse breeding sure. uh, and also has a weird. Uh, Nazi oh my God. Uh, experiment gone wrong background yeah. um, that is never fully explored. So, it's just mentioned in passing. So is the old guy is the old guy following around one of the doctors? Allegedly, then? allegedly, right. okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. This whole so. Nazi super soldier situation. I know this is something that goes back very far comic books obviously you know captain america all that stuff um all the way back to world war ii in in fiction and uh, i don't know maybe reality did was hitler working with the black arts i don't know but (laughs) the the way that it's laid out in this movie is these people have like took zero hours in any sort of like biology class genetics 101 this is not how this shit works First of all, they were go, they were injecting pregnant women with steroids in the hope that their babies would be stronger. Yeah, and be able to lift <laughs> Dolph Lundgren one yes. day. <laughs> Which, again, I don't know that that's how genetics or steroids work, first of all. <laughs> I think that this, is, this plan is flawed, to say the least. But uh, Maxwell Zorin, who we do later find out, was one of these children that was experimented on. And the side effects are, it makes you psychotic. Yeah. The side effects are madness, which, you know, I love it. Necessary requirements. Yeah. The antagonists in these movies. (laughs) Absolutely. So according to Wikipedia, there was early publicity for this movie, 1984 that announced David Bowie would be playing Zorin, Mm -hmm. which would have been interesting. And he accepted the role and then declined it, saying that I didn't want to spend five months watching my stunt double fall off cliffs. Which, David Bowie would have been interesting. <laughs> Maybe a little too distracting. 
if David Bowie would be the villain of this movie. And Christopher Walken is essentially in David Bowie drag for most sure. of yeah, this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but alleged, according to Grace Jones's uh, autobiography, I'll Never Write My Memoirs, she <laughs> writes how David uh, Christopher Walken was dressed as David Bowie in the Thin White Duke. Sure. Um, uh, but they, the producers also approached Mick Jagger for the role. That would have been wild. In, Mick Jagger. Okay. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like any unproduced movie, it's always Mick Jagger. You know, when you go back to like, oh, the, you know, Yodorowsky's Dune, Mick Jagger. Like, it's always, he's always bandied about as like, as is, who, as is David Bowie. As is David of. Bowie. Yeah, you're right. Um, we also read Rutger Hauer. I could see Rucker Hauer was, was knocking this role out of the park, which I feel 85. like I feel like Christopher Walken is also kind of doing the the hair, you know, eighty five Rucker Hauer, you know, would have been an interesting, and he's got that like kind of Dutch vague like accent going on, so that, that definitely could have worked. But I mean, you you can't get Bowie, you can't get Rucker Hauer. I think nineteen eighty five Christopher Walken is uh you know yeah, works serviceable. He's he's giving he's giving the cuckoo like. <laughs> Mad eyes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not have any sort of European accent. No, yeah, no, <laughs> whatsoever. Well, they and all... he apparently has a KGB background too. Yes, like he's got the KGB. <laughs> they also mention that he knows like all these languages, and they're like, "Oh, and he speaks five languages with no accent." I'm like, sure. <laughs> Meanwhile, Christopher Walken's got like the thickest like Brooklyn accent this side of like Edith Bunker. Um, so okay, so Maxwell Zorin, he uh, his big his big overarching plan is he, he lays it out. And he says, "Okay, microchips, you guys, this is the future. It's 1985, and microchips exist." I th- and I feel like microchips are so broad. It's very, it's vague. very, it's very, very broad. Vague. Like, but, he, but he's just like, there's a lot of companies out there that make microchips. But if we were to somehow destroy all those companies, and then we're the only ones left to make the microchips, I mean, this is uh, what they made a movie about this with Ryan Phillippe. Um Antitrust. Antitrust. It's a monopoly. This oh, good, shit is very legal. Good pull of the <laughs> Ryan Phillippe classic antitrust from the early 2000s. Yeah. My brother was very into, you know, tech espionage at the time. So he, he watched it. But I, the, this plan is very flawed. It's yeah. Bad. Oh, oh yeah. I'm going to flood Silicon Valley by flowing seawater into the San Andreas Fault, yes. which will then just sink all of the proprietary land yes. and uh, kill thousands, if not millions yeah, of people out of there. Um, and uh, just, but we have James Bond and a geologist, Stacy Sutton and oil heiress on the case. Oil heiress and <laughs> geologist. I love yep. Stacy <laughs> Sutton. Uh, well, I think she says at one point, what did she say? Double earthquake. Because there's like two faults that they're talking about, and she says something, and she's like, "Double earthquake," and I'm like, "What the fuck? What is happening?" She's a geologist. She doesn't uh, have bullets in her or uh, pellets yeah, in her a shotgun. shotgun. She has rock salt. Yeah. So, you know, Tony Roberts does what she can. She the... is stunning in this movie, though. She's very beautiful. Those eyes, those eyes yep. with the with the dark eyeliner. She looks great, but yeah, this character is. Is insane. Almost Priscilla Presley couldn't get oh. out of that Dallas contract. I would have liked to have seen. I would yeah. have liked to have seen her in this role. 
Yeah, that would have worked well. If I had to choose a Charlie's Angel, I would have chosen Jacqueline Smith. What about you all? Okay, there you go. I mean, that's the thing. You I turn don't think on... that. I don't think Kate's like. Th- I don't think that Kate is really a Bond girl. <laughs> Kate Jackson. Kate Jackson. Not Sabrina. Yeah, I think if you're gonna go Bond girl, Jacqueline Smith really kind of. I think she lends herself her look. Yeah, I think she's. I think she's the perfect choice. You know, anytime if uh, if Charlie's Angels is ever on the TV, if I get a Tiny Roberts, I'm like, that's like it's like getting a ship. <laughs> and she was the first replacement for. Fair, correct? He was the third replacement yeah. angel. She replaced Shelly Hack. Good morning, angels. Do I have an assignment for you? Good morning, Charlie. Ah, 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 damn! It's a Shelly Hack. That's like getting a ship. She replaced Shelly Hack. Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. Back. I was going to say, her, T- Tiny Roberts and Shelly Hack, those are the two that I'm like, th- those, interchangeable. That, that's like getting a ship. <laughs> it's like watching Three Stooges. I don't, I don't want this. Um, Okay, so it does take us an hour to even get to this to this point in the movie. There's a whole lot going on with some horse racing, some doping with the horses. Let's talk about <laughs> the horse racing section. Sure. I was trying to I was trying to like look at this crowd. I was like, okay, they clearly shot this at a big horse race in England. Can we spot the queen somewhere? Oh my god. Do you think that she was there when they were doing the crowd shots? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe or her, uh, you know, in the crowd, how it goes into the backstory of her uh, lovely uh, um, horse trainer that oh. she kind of had a little fleeting romance with. Yep. He was probably there, no doubt. Oh yeah, that's right. I'm sure he was. She loved her horses. So Zorin <laughs> is putting chips in these horses, and no, no, he's putting chips in their like riding crops. What goes in so, the horses yeah. then? They're injecting the horses with yeah. something, I believe. It's, a, it's uh. an injection, and I, th- I literally think the idea is that there is a syringe in the riding crop that when they, like, s- smack oh. it on the butt, it, like, injects mm-hmm. the horse. And then it's, like, adrenaline or something. And then mm-hmm. they get an extra little kick. Right, because I think that they tested them before they did the race, as opposed to after or something, right, and right. that was because they weren't. They yeah, because they weren't. Te- they weren't. They tested them, and the doping was not coming through. Yeah, um, okay, but this is all after the Eiffel Tower, you guys. Oh, uh, lest oh we forget, God. murder <laughs> by Tower scene. Fishing. I mean, murder by fishing. I mean, everybody know. Everybody knows of the famous restaurant inside inside the, the, the top Tower. of that. <laughs> what I would have given to have seen this movie with a French audience and just heard the the chuckling <laughs> when they cut to that restaurant and the cabaret act by performed by Countess Luann in a past <laughs> life, uh, where she's commanding these butterflies, these fake butterflies attached on, to fishing rods, on fish hooks. Yeah, le papillon, and le she, papillon, and she's and this like whistling like situation that she's got going, <laughs> but. The crowd is like mesmerized by the fake butterflies. They're just like, oh, this, I mean, this is entertainment. Life before cell phones yeah. seems dying. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a pre Wi Fi world, you guys. <laughs> you want to, you pay real money to see Le Papillon at the top of the Eiffel Tower. Those people were living in the moment. They were not looking at their phones. <laughs> they really engaged. Yeah, it took them a minute to notice when, uh, Mr. Courgette? No, Aubergine. Aubergine. <laughs> yes. Monsieur Aubergine. The, okay. 
when this <laughs> private detective is named <laughs> Monsieur Aubergine, I was like, this is some Sesame Street. <laughs> like, what the hell? He just needed he, a little mustache. He looks like a Clue character. He looks like a Clue okay. character. Does he have a mustache? He may have yeah. a mustache. He may have yeah. one. Yeah. I, I wanted to meet, like, his assistant, Escargot, and his, like, his driver, Chocolate Moose, and, like... <laughs> Little baby paprika, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Salt, and Mrs. Pepper, yeah. <laughs> like from Blue's Clues, please. Oh my God, that was yeah, Aubergine, and Aubergine is a private detective, and he's like, he's the one that's going to figure out about this doping situation. He's like, I got this shit on lock. Don't even worry. But Mayday comes in with the fish, <laughs> the fish fishing rod. So here's my thing: fishing rod to the face, or like fly. What are they called, Scott? Allure? No, uh, it's yeah, it, it it's just a fly, a fly. Yeah, the hook. Yeah, the fly hook. Okay, fly hook to the face happens. Yep, saw something about Mary. Happened to your mom. Happened to my mom. It happened. My stepdad got her right in the head. So, a fear of mine, and I don't go fish. And we, I don't yep. even fish. So I'm assuming that the that these flies are poison because he drops sure. he drops dead. From a and drowns, yeah, and oh, okay, he drowns in the soup. Maybe he was so startled <laughs> that it was really just drowning in the soup. Uh, Monsieur Aubergine, RAP. And the butterfly, the fake butterfly, is like this bold black and yellow yeah. striped, like as though it is caution tape. Uh, <laughs> yeah. this butterfly is different than the rest. Don't yeah. stare at it as it comes hurtling toward your face, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, it's so interesting that I think these locations in this movie are j- any excuse to get. They were just like, okay, what have we not done? We haven't done the Eiffel we Tower yet. The Eiffel Tower, major landmark. Let's go to Paris. Yep, for no reason. They're in Paris for this. Like that's it. Yeah. He goes from MI6 directly to the Eiffel Tower, drives in a cut in half car, and then boom, gone. And then all of a sudden, yeah. we're at a French chateau. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I've, I've, something I'd like to mention. Um, I with the horse racing before we head on over to the chateau. Uh, <laughs> this movie is notable in the horse racing scene. It's the last scene for Lois Maxwell as Miss Money sure. a oh. stalwart of the series who had been there for fourteen movies. Wow. Uh, and she uh, apparently in her contract there was a. Uh, stipulation that she keep all her costumes. Oh, and sometimes she really got the shit end of the stick with that because they'd be <laughs> like, "Here, you can. You're undercover as a meter maid, oh. giving bond <laughs> is a mission or something." Oh no! Uh, but at least she wound up with a nice dress for the races. You know, She's that's a, a nice send off. All the, all the business years. with the hat. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And there is no equivalent to Money Penny in the Brosman movies, right? They don't. Start there that, is. I don't remember. Who is it? Uh, uh, her name's Samantha Bond. Uh, oh. She played no Rosalind in uh, Downton Abbey, the sister of Hugh Bonneville. Um, okay. okay. And uh, the character vanishes for the first two Daniel Craig movies because they wanted to get rid of all the excess, I sure. guess, and just make his focus on James Bond. But she comes back in Skyfall. Oh, she's in Skyfall. Uh, Naomi Harris. That's right. It it actually is. We're just, yeah, we're just looking at that she's one. She's the one that shoots him off the train. Ah. Matters. Yep. Okay. 
I was just watching Skyfall today. Wow. Yeah, that shit's long. That is very, very long. I went to a, I went to a work Thanksgiving potluck, came back, and you were still watching. It. I was like, "Damn!" No, I I I took a break. To I think edit. Took a, I took a break a break to edit the Teen yeah. Witch episode. Oh, okay, okay, good, good, good. Um, okay, so I I did like that Mayday gets to uh, skydive off of the Empire State or the Empire State of the Eiffel Tower. That was fun. I feel like nowadays it would have been like the wingsuit. Yes. Like a bat wings kind of a suit situation instead of just a, a measly parachute. But that, that was cool for her. I like that she was used. Yeah, she's, you know? she's it, fully utilized. They have yeah. a lot of fun with her. Um, I like her big hat that she's wearing at the horse race because <laughs> it's, it's very Grace Jones. Oh, the tall, the tall, the tall red, yeah, like crayon hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good one. And when they're talking about her, they say, her name's Mayday. And Roger Moore replies, and she's dressed for the occasion because she's essentially a pole standing <laughs> in the middle of the crowd. <laughs> Sitting behind Mayday. That's, trying to watch the horse race. That's funny. I wonder if that's a Roger Moore little kind of thing. Because uh, what we did read was his little quip to Tanya Roberts when she's wearing her fitted coveralls. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, too bad he couldn't find one that fit. Yeah, as she walks out with this immaculate, this immaculately uh, tailored, tailored jumpsuit. He's wearing Michael Myers's like yeah. <laughs> suit uh, that is just she belts and it suddenly fits. Oh. Everything's high and tight. Everything is proportioned. <laughs> it's great. It's so, but it's just bonkers. She has it literally on a hanger. Like he, this is for the workers. This is just for any man to grab, pick up, put on, and she. <laughs> And walks out. Well, there's an Austin Powers joke. Yeah. That kind of reminds me of that. It's when Liz Hurley and Mike Myers are going into the bathroom. Sure. It's the skinny and the fat guy. Mm -hmm. Or like the skinny guy and the the fat woman. Yeah. And then they wear it. Yeah. And and they fit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that that shit was... And and I read that Roger Moore supposedly ad-libbed that line saying that too too bad you couldn't find you couldn't find one that fit and tanya roberts kind of rolls her eyes afterwards it's great yeah. it's great so that kind of that kind of makes me think that he may have like come up with that line about the maypole about her being dressed for the occasion i'm not sure actually uh but i do know that you know they really leaned in on roger moore's skills of just comedic timing yeah um Especially near the end, because you got to make up for the charisma if you're not going to do the stunts. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, that's the thing. The first, the big, you know, the big ski scene at the beginning of the movie, it's great. It's like classic James Bond has a big action sequence set piece at the beginning. But it's like it clearly it doesn't have to be him at all. He's wearing the hood with the fur and then the goggles and all that stuff. So, But I do think that it's kind of done well enough that you're not like, oh, it's a double. You just kind of don't care, I guess. Yeah. But I guess there are some fight scenes in the in this movie that are a little bit of a giveaway. I mean, even in the Eiffel Tower chase, it seems like old Raj is a little bit winded. <laughs> and... Running up, running up I, all those I, stairs. I yep. Can't blame him. Yeah. No, I can't. <laughs> and mad respect, the man played it for 12 years yeah. and did it seven movies, but... You know, it looks like he was freshly yoinked also. <laughs> yeah. uh, his face between Octopussy yeah. and Rockin' a, rock a fresh face lift. Yeah. <laughs> High and tight. He's, but, I mean, he's looking good, though. Like, I, I don't know. For 57, it's like, okay, he's, look, he's looking all right. 
he's he's still always reads a little older, but you know, I think I think uh, I th- yeah, I think the facelift did a, a serviceable job, but um, yeah, t- okay. The when the car got cut in half, Scott was <laughs> yeah, Scott was like, "What the fuck just happened?" Good thing that was a front wheel drive car. I mean, like this is some like Fast and the Furious level bullshit going on <laughs> of that when you're when you're racing a cut in half car yeah in paris yeah so when he pulls i'm assuming it's like a taxi driver that the car was mm-hmm. like a, a cab and he pulls the taxi driver out of the cab and the guy is like eating he's like oh no like i'm you know i'm eating i'm on lunch or whatever but i think he has a like a glass of wine <laughs> i'm like really <laughs> okay <laughs> Work, Paris, taxi driver. <laughs> we Why all not? have a wine break. It's, Why not? You can get 15 minutes. <laughs> how you not? use your 15-minute break is how you use it. Yeah, that's true. It's personal time. You're off the clock. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got this whole – okay, we've got the snow scene. We've got Paris. Now we're, like, at this French, like, chalet or chateau. Chateau. I'm sorry. Um and it's this huge horse racing like set piece. Probably at least half an hour is dedicated to this chateau. He he is going by this false name, uh, Sinjin Smythe. Sinjin Smythe. That's right. Filmed at the Chateau de Chantilly in okay. France. It is just outside of Paris. Okay, and the whole thing is that his fake name, his cover, is Sinjin Smythe. Right, but the thing is, Sinjin is spelled. Saint John, right? This is a thing. This is a British thing. It's a name. And that's how they say it. And they call it out several times. More, like more than twice, I think. People are like, oh, Saint John Smythe. And he's like, St. John Smythe. What the fuck? It's so weird. <laughs> I do wonder who that's for, that recurring gag. Who is that yeah. for? It is, is it a joke? Yeah. Right. <laughs> It's so weird, and I, I feel like I'm just like, what the fuck? Why do they keep going back? Do you know what I this? also love about these movies and the character of James Bond? How does every all of these wealthy assholes just not know who he is? Right. With just like all of the bullshit adventures that he's had, all of these villain masterminds that he's foiled. Yeah, everybody should know who he is by face. Yeah, but yeah. I guess that's just part of the charm of these movies. Yeah. I- also, in the more movies, it seems like he's just known as just this gentleman about town uh, and just a passing face. But I, I in this chateau scene, we also see we're introduced to Allison Duty yes. as Jenny Flex. Mm-hmm. Uh, she notably went on to be in uh, uh, the third Indiana Jones movie, uh, and she's joined by a woman named Pon Ho. Uh, right. And they're kind of like Zorin has these three mi- female minions uh, of Mayday, Ponho, and Jenny Flex, like Jenny Flex. Uh, yeah. But if the, if there's any other queer coding about the Christopher Walken character, is that a gay man would have beautiful women as the heavies doing <laughs> doing all of his dirty work. These beautiful <laughs> supermodels, right? Of Multiple ethnicities and yeah. nationalities just being like, you know what? It's fierce. <laughs> what what does James Bond say when she says – she introduces herself. She says, I'm Jenny Flex. And he says like, you certainly are or something like that. 
He oh, says something I, to the effect of, like, you certainly are. Yeah. But it's like, what the fuck does that mean? Some, like, grandpa joke. <laughs> yeah, like, to make much sense. But, yeah, the, the Bond girl names are, I guess Jenny Flex is, like, the least problematic. But what is it even? I Like, Jenny Flex? Yeah. I think so, on your knee? Yeah. I, um, I think <laughs> Moore has one of the best runs of Bond girl names. Mm. Uh what the peak being in 1979's Moonraker, in which Lois Childs plays a character named Dr. Holly Goodhead. <laughs> Lois Childs from uh, Creep Show 2. Oh, sure. <laughs> Thanks for the ride, lady. Thanks for the ride, lady. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Holly Goodhead. That's that's kind of amazing. How did that get past? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That's not even in the books. That's uh, These movies are also notable for, you know, we're just going to. Adapt the title. We're just going to take the title. And make sure. characters. Yeah. But, like, that's about it of any similarity. Oh, my God. Um, okay, so this is when we really start to kind of get a lot more of Zorin himself and, like, what's kind of what's going on. These The shady horse oper- operations where he's having all of these bidders come to his auction to bid on his bred horses that win every race and they are bugging every single room. Just, I mean, I take it just to keep tabs on them, just to find out what all of these guests are talking about and what horses they're interested in, and just to kind of, kind of internal stuff like that. Yeah, which is all not interesting, <laughs> right? At, at this point, uh, Sinjin Smythe uh, has a manservant uh, <laughs> played by Patrick McNee, who's mm-hmm. like his. Uh, right hand for the entire thing and they covered that uh, bug in the room by oh my playing God. a recording of him uh, like ordering Patrick McNee around. So they got hours of audio of James Bond and or yeah, of well, Sinjin Spice. Well, when they're out running around by the stables, he says that we have to get back because the tape's running out. Yeah. And yeah. it's just him and Sir Godfrey Tibbet just like in this room, just like isn't he like snoring at some point? <laughs> like fake sleeping. I mean, talk about this whole section of the movie that could you really say any other Bond movie where a portion of the middle lifts out so easily that like I mean, I guess that you just set up Zoran. Yeah, it doesn't really It doesn't really add to the plot have, all that much. Yeah. No, it it just shows that he's dubious, but yeah. I, I don't really I'm not really that concerned with yeah. That being the height of his villainy is that he cheats at horse racing. Yeah. Like, please, I let's mean, race the stakes. I mean, that. talk yeah. about, talk about like probably the Chateau wrote, like they got this location and they wrote it around, they wrote around it in the script probably. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It feels yeah. like every location they're like, what do we got? Where are we going? And let's figure out what, you know, what's going to happen when we get there. We were given the okay to shoot by the French government at the show at the Chateau. How yeah. are we going to work it into the script? Yeah. Okay, so we meet, uh, we meet Sutton Strack, Stacy. <laughs> this is my revisionist history. That's Sutton. I was. <laughs> I would love to see if would, Sutton Strack. I would was, love to see Sutton as a Bond girl. Could you imagine? That, yeah, that I know. <laughs> that that I know. <laughs> Actually, all of the all the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills would be really good Bond girls, like individual. 
Like Eric already have Erica Jane. I mean Denise Richards. Denise, Denise Richards. <laughs> Christmas Jones. But uh, like Dr. Erica Christmas Jane. Doctor Christmas Jones Scott. I mean, would would Erica Jane's be like a henchwoman or was she? I don't know. Yeah, Erica Jane would be a, either a double agent or a henchwoman. Dorit She's is definitely the like the second Bond villain of the movie that ends up dead. Oh, jeez. <laughs> like, she's introduced, like, halfway through, and then they quickly get rid of her. Dorit also right. has the vague accent, so she could be of some sort of, like, you know, Aryan experiment gone wrong. Oh, Lord. Crystal would be, like, just a <laughs> conquest at the oh, before the opening title. She has one line. Yeah. Crystal, and then yeah. that's it. <laughs> and she gets, she gets, a, she gets a, a, an arrow to the back right away. <laughs> Right. Garcel would last until the end credits. Oh, yes. Garcel, they're bringing back for a, a second round. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Sutton would be a good Miss Money Petty. Just okay. like sure. constantly giving James <laughs> what's up. Just really excited to go to the horse races. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. She wore pants for nothing, you guys. All right. So, okay. When we first meet Stacey Sutton, she's very standoffish with, with Sinjin Smythe. Right? I feel like she's very, like... Well, I mean, I, I think that she's a woman on a mission. She has, like... That's true. She has she has business to attend to. Okay, so her deal is her, her she's the heiress to this oil company, but Zorin swooped in and bought the company underneath yes. her? Like, out from under her? Okay. And I, it's notable. I mean, it's understandable why she'd be so frosty to James Bond, because he approaches her and asks, so are you buying or selling? <laughs> and yeah, looks at him incredulously. So I, I understand why she'd yeah. be a little frosty. Okay, that's that's true. You're right. You're right. <laughs> okay, and in the meantime, like you said, she is uh, a geologist working for you know, I guess the state of California. The city of San Francisco, who knows? But she's living in this empty mansion. Well, she's had to sell all of her furniture to pay for her legal bills, right? Oh, okay. Yep. To fight against... And she can just afford to pay, pay like, the monthly mortgage or something. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has the only things that are left outside of her bedroom furniture are uh, a portrait of her grandfather and his ashes in an urn. That are later used to bash somebody's head in. Yes. This urn, by the way, is like four feet tall. <laughs> it, it's the vase that Rose shoots yeah. in Golden Girls. That's how big this it's urn that, is. It's yeah. that big. I feel like an urn for an average size human is not that big. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, when we when we do get to her house and all that, uh, all that situ- when we learn about all that stuff with the the grandfather and the legal fees and everything with with Zorin, um, oh, we forgot about the disclaimer at the beginning. <laughs> oh, sure. Do you know anything about the disclaimer at the beginning of the movie, or like what the background was? I there was somebody named Zorin. Uh, floating around at the time, but I don't think that he had anything to do with right. technology necessarily. But this is the first James Bond movie with a um, uh, a warning, not a, a warning. disclaimer. Disclaimer. It's, it's like no, I think the real Zorin company. I think they did actually have something to do with microchips. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'm finding it out right now. I mean, it's normally like what you would put in the end credits of this is all. 
fictitious and anything based on real events is purely coincidental. And it's like you're putting it at the very beginning. The Zoran Corporation, Z-O-R-A-N. Uh, yeah, it's a tech company founded in 1981, headquartered in Silicon Valley, predominantly focused on designing and selling integrated circuits. So, like, it literally was like a microchip company. And in the original script, it went from, like, Zorn, Z-O-R-N, to okay. then Zorin. And so I'm like, what necessarily begat that change, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe um, does Zorin spelled like that just look better on a blimp? Maybe? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The blimp representation in this film is... I mean... I mean. Tenfold. I mean, we've <laughs> never, I've never seen this many blimps, and it's one blimp. But and, yeah, and uh, I mean, if this blimp technology were like this blimp is able to sneak up on Tanya Roberts, <laughs> quite like not a peep behind, like hanging out of the side of like what are, it's called, like a gondola, like the piece under the blimp that you can actually be in. This <laughs> close enough to pick her up, hanging out of the side of the gondola. Uh, without a peep, I mean that's that's like that's some silent running for a for a, a rigid airship. Right, <laughs> a blimp that is like disguised as a storage, as like a storage unit. I think the uh, the continuity of the size of the blimp is kind of all over the place. Yeah. through throughout the movie, it's like it has multiple levels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What, it has a staircase that leads to your doom. Um, the, the retract the retracting staircase. <laughs> yes. um, it, I, there's a lot going on in that blimp. I don't uh, know if I, if I'm in a boardroom with with a megalomaniacal industrialist and he asks me if I want to leave the room, I'm saying no. I'm good. I'll you, just wait. You mean you end. don't want to just step outside? <laughs> step outside of the blimp? Yeah. <laughs> Mayday will make a drink for you. Yeah. Don't worry. No, I'm good. Yeah. I'll just finish my water. It's just ice now, but uh, I'll be okay. <laughs> I feel like I've watched enough of these to figure out do not cross the megalomaniacal industrialist. I mean, really, in like 2023, uh, obviously, this is this is Elon Musk. This is yeah. This is Bezos. I believe that many a business meeting is performed on SpaceX. Yeah. <laughs> Like that's his goal. Yeah, is yeah. to make it that his layer. Yeah. Um, so something we also didn't ch- touch on yet was the Duran Duran theme song. Oh my god, oh my uh, god. such a good song. How we, can we forget? Yeah, so like, good. So in okay, so in terms of like Bond themes, I would probably say this is probably my top five. It's pretty good of one of my favorites. I was kind of sampling a little bit of them today. If I had my shit together before the recording, I would have done the name that tune with Bond songs, but. <laughs> That would have taken a lot of work, yeah. but so I mean, Goldfinger kind of like this fan shit, favorite. This shit started it yeah. all. Like, come Shirley on, Shirley Bassey, yeah. But like in the grand scheme of things, when you kind of think about it, I feel like sometimes I just forget that certain songs actually are Bond songs. Um, mm-hmm. like, specific- my, my favorite is "Nobody Does It Better." So yes. good. Probably one of the best Carly ones. Simon. Carly yep. Simon. Yeah, so good. That will play at my funeral. <laughs> uh, I'm not braggadocious at all. Sure, no, no. At no, all. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, the fact that she just casually slips in the title of the movie, 
This right. just the spy who loved me. It's just right in there. It's genius. It's like great songwriting right there. Unlike Interview to a Kill, when Grace Jones and Christopher Walken oh in se- yeah. the blimp look at each other and go, "What of you <laughs> to a kill?" <laughs> to a kill. <laughs> like ham-fisted. Yeah, yeah. And we were commenting on that as we were watching it, and I was going. What the hell does that even mean? What like, is a view to a what kill? Is a view- I take it that a view to a kill is looking down a gun barrel. Well, that's that's what I think it is. Well, I don't I don't know if it was a book or just or a story, but I guess the original title is From a View to a Kill, which kind yes. of makes a little more sense. Yeah, and the original short story is about like uh, couriers uh, getting shot down by a sniper. Oh Jesus! Uh, oh, so they're relaying really- messages with confidential information so i i could see that so they really um, did use the title and the title only yes <laughs> so there's really no no book, yeah, uh, yeah. than james bond yeah. that's it so <laughs> that's that's kind of amazing i mean uh, i could just see the screenwriters of this movie of they got the title they're just looking at their paper their morning paper and they just see an article on just like silicon valley and they're like there it is that's what mm-hmm. the movie's going to revolve around. Very, yeah, very buzzy. Ripped of. from the headlines. Yeah. MTV is out and popping, and they're like, who who should we approach again? Grace Jones. Yeah. And David Bowie. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, this is definitely the very, like, MTV generation, like, James Bond movie. But at that early MTV. Sure. Duran Duran is like, it doesn't get any more, like, early 80s yeah i mean that's probably how they got grace jones was when david bowie was just in early talks and they were going to bring on grace and they were going to be like a really fun duo yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that kind of would have been amazing um i was thinking as we were watching it i was like okay made it yes mayday's fierce yes we've got the like the costumes, we've got the just her her performance is amazing. But it, it kind of took a minute for her to like really start showing off the feats of strength. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. She she does this, she's got this whole shtick where she's like really strong. When she lifts up that guy. Experiment too, allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so she did okay. She she was a, a subject of the the evil Nazi. Yeah, I I feel that that's implied with her lifting a whole ass man yeah. like in yeah. some ways yeah. and kind of being under the thumb of that weird doctor. Now is that the scene that um that Dolph Lundgren shows up in? Yeah. Yes. I I, so. I, I get really excited when Dolph Lundgren is in that scene <laughs> and I was reading that he was just on set because he was dating Grace Jones at the time and they didn't have they just needed to fill the scene out with extras. They just grabbed him. You have the look of a Yep. Like KGB heavy, absolutely, so <laughs> absolutely does. Yeah, um, but yeah, when yeah when she starts showing, you're like, okay, this now now she's everything. Now I just like I want to I want to be Grace Jones. I want to be Mayday. Like I know she's evil, but it's just like I, I, whatever she's selling, I'm in. I'm here for it. And like, uh. I think for me, yeah, the movie does come alive after we reach the United States. Um, but I I love San Francisco, but I find that American-set James Bond movies are so lacking sure. in intrigue. And, uh, you know, they're supposed to be travel logs, and we're spending most of it in California. Yeah. Now, what, like, what American-set James Bond movies are there? Diamonds Are Forever uh, is set in Vegas. 
and films in Vegas and Palm Springs. And that notably has a henchman named Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid, who are a gay couple. Oh, Um, okay. Possibly the first gay couple I ever saw represented on screen. And uh, Is it, like, (laughs) explicit that they're a gay couple, or is it just, like, they're, and they were roommates? And history will say they were really good (laughs) friends. Uh, They're is definitely a major implication that they are queer uh, of uh, one of them says to the other, Oh, Miss Tiffany case looks very attractive for a lady. That is uh, <laughs> uh, and, uh, the other one looks jealous. Uh. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, as far as queer representation goes to uh, pussy galore, it's implied that she's a lesbian okay. uh, in Goldfinger. And that's also set in America, too. Yeah. Okay. Javier Bardem in Skyfall. It's a very, <laughs> that's a very queer coded that's, character. Yeah. It's almost well, not even subtext of yeah. when he's talking oh. to Daniel Craig. Well, James Bond himself, go, like Javier Bardem goes, are you uncomfortable? Is this like your first time or something with a man? It's implied. And yeah. then James Bond replies, what makes you think this is my first time? Like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay. So Scott mentioned, all right, there's, okay. So Zoran is, yes, uh, Nazi Superman, problematic already. But besides that, forces himself on, uh, on Mayday. After their like karate practice, and you're like, okay, that's gross. Um, but then after he like sends Mayday to like go bed James Bond, Scott was like, oh, Zorin wants to go too. I think I think Zorin wants <laughs> I think Zorin wants in on that. Zorin wants in. <laughs> they saw Roger Moore across the bar and they liked his vibe because yeah. <laughs> uh, Mayday kind of looks back and she looks for approval to like go in yeah. and he's like, no. Go yeah, like he's, he's like, go for trying it. to seduce. Uh, <laughs> notably, Grace Jones played a prank on Roger Moore during the love scene. Oh, uh, dildo, right? She yeah, she disrobes and she had strapped on a black and white polka dotted dildo. Oh. Um, <laughs> wow, yeah, I love that. And I feel yeah. like I don't know. I mean, yeah. Roger Moore is like he was around in like the seventies and the eighties. It's like he was fucking James Bond. So it's like he's got to he can't be that much of like a prude. Yeah, but no. at, but at the same time, just like oh, <laughs> you know what? She was on top. Hey, yep. She was like a whole yeah. Oh so. my god. Oh my god. Uh, I kind of read that there was a little bit of tension just with the two of them in general. Mm-hmm. In Roger Moore's uh, autobiography, he's like. My mother always raised me to not say anything bad about anybody. Grace oh. Jones was in the movie, and I'll leave it at that. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. That's, that's, I mean, that's But she's shape. rather kind to him in her memoir. Okay. So yeah. I'm curious where that friction began. Sure, sure. I think I read something about, like, her playing loud music. Being late. She was yeah. just a little She was just a little too rock and roll just for grandpa. Just a little rock and roll, yeah. yeah. But I read something about, like, and this speaks a lot of, like, the British... Uh, film industry and they're very unionized nine to five you work, you work eight hours yeah you yeah. work an eight hour day you take an hour lunch like this, you, you this take a break for tea happens. yeah and um and i think roger moore was very used to that and i think that uh one of one of the things said that her playing loud music interfered with his afternoon nap mm. which 
which work. If you can, if you can get an afternoon nap, fit in to your time playing James Bond. I mean, good. <laughs> Hopefully, he had a wine break too. Yeah, yeah, like the taxi driver. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the Parisian taxi driver. I love that. But I love hearing about that because then you you do hear stories of like George Lucas and James Cameron going to England to work with these. British crews and they're just like no dude we're not working 16 hours today like we're done and uh, it's that it's that Jim Cameron work ethic of well I'm working this hard why yeah, aren't you yeah because it's not mm-hmm. their job yeah <laughs> they, have, they have a different union than we do so so hey but um, yeah I mean that's cool though that that Grace Jones kind of that I don't and I think it's kind of cool what he's what Roger Moore kind of wrote in his book as well it's like he didn't really trash her. It's like maybe that is kind of saying, yes, we didn't get along. But it's it's still, I don't know, classy enough to just be like, we'll just leave it there. Right. I like yeah. that for both of them. Um, but, uh, okay. So, yeah, the San Francisco stuff does get a little uh, – all right. So they go to San Francisco City Hall and Scott's like – Aren't those the, aren't those the stairs that, that like Harvey Milk got shot on? Like mm. – like five years prior to this, is this shit? some is this some bad taste that they're like <laughs> shooting off guns in in city hall this early? Well, apparently Diane Feinstein, who was then mayor yeah. of San Francisco, she loved Roger Moore uh, as James Bond, and she gave them unrestricted access okay. to various. You want to almost like, like yeah, town fi- <laughs> town hall on fire? Sure. Um, set fire, yeah, set fire to the roof. Uh, and apparently, legend has it that uh, there was a memo sent out uh, to City Hall saying, uh, please shut your windows uh, because there will be fire. And somebody didn't re- read it. And so the fire uh, sprinklers went off in that office and it reeked of smoke. Oh my God. And so it was just somebody who didn't pay attention to the memo. Wow. So read your emails. I mean, yeah, read your emails. That tracks, though, that uh, Diane Feinstein would be like, yeah, Roger Moore. They're, they're about the same age. Um, but, yeah, we're just like, ooh, yikes, this guy gets shot, like, in his office, and he's, like, some sort of city, you know, kind of representative. I was like, this is a handful of years after mm-hmm. after Harvey Milk is murdered right. in this building. We're like, yikes. But yeah. I don't. I don't. But again, though, this is that time that I think people just went to the movies, and you didn't think about that no. stuff. You just yeah. kind of like this is a movie. Yes, that's San Francisco City mm-hmm. Hall, but it's a mo- It's still a movie. Like it doesn't. I don't know. We didn't have that kind of like stars are just like us, and the like... <laughs> the, the too soon adage wasn't yeah, necessarily right. in the vocabulary at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the ele- uh, the elevator scenes I find very harrowing. Of when you're watching kind I mean, of both of these actors like film these scenes, I'm just like, oh, girl, like Tanya Roberts, like don't don't yeah, like don't get burned, don't get burned, <laughs> don't, don't fall down this elevator shaft, Tanya. Her hoarse voice yeah. just screaming James the entire time. I think that's she's not regarded very right. highly right. in the canon of Bond girls. For that scene in particular, yeah. Yeah. Um, please show some gumption, like, of just, like, look, have some independence. She fully becomes a damsel in distress yeah. uh, for the remainder of the movie um, when she kind of had some promise of 
Sure, because I mean, it's like her character seems organic to the plot. Like she's not really just dropped in there to be the hot girl. Like they kind of start out giving her something to do and then they just kind of forget about it. Right. Yeah. Much like the Nazi background. It just, <laughs> there's things that are brought up that are just never like her stakes in bringing Zorin down are that she, she's an oil heiress and yeah. she wants to fill her house up with furniture again. <laughs> she just wants that money. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it, it's no fault of Tanya Roberts that like she was relegated to this damsel in distress character. It is, it's the writing it's, it's on the page, but I mean, you're right from then on. Most of her lines are screaming James, James, even when she's driving the fire truck, even when she, she's still <laughs> James, like back there, you know, still screaming for him. Um, and right. it is, it's definitely noticeable, you know, that it's, uh, and, Temple of Doom has way more agency yeah. than oh, Stacy Sutton. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Of that era, to like revolve blonde leading ladies, so. right? Yeah, yeah. Will, Willie. Um, okay, so we go from Fisherman's Wharf. <laughs> We're like, why Fisherman's <laughs> Wharf to all of the the stuff in City Hall with it yeah. burning down? Yeah. This uh, cop, fire truck chasing the fire truck a... chasing this this police officer that's hell but this on poor cop that's hell but on getting James <laughs> Bond. That that's a recurring motif, especially in American set Bond movies, is that the police are inept. You have to uh, have like, yeah. or you have to have <laughs> you know, sort of, and yeah, you have to have I'm not going to dispute that. Yeah, absolutely. You have to have <laughs> sort of a boss hog like police officer that's <laughs> trying to track down James. There was a recurring uh, sheriff, uh, Sheriff J.W. Pepper uh, from Louisiana, who appeared in two James Bond movies oh. uh, in Roger Moore's tenure. So okay. one in which he was on vacation in Thailand. <laughs> and he still showed up. <laughs> and he still shows up. Uh, the choices that are made in this series are oh, sometimes yeah. very baffling. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, isn't there's like the. The, the like the bridge, yeah, like opening the up, whole and bridge like opening up, eating mm-hmm. police cars, all that shit's wild. Um, okay, but we have to get to. I mean, we we need to be close to Silicon Valley adjacent, yeah, right. So that's why we're in the Bay Area. Um, and Zorin has a mine. Is this yeah? Is this part <laughs> of uh, the 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 Sutton like oil company maybe? This we were introduced to the guy who owns the mine uh, at the chateau. Ah, okay. um, so he is in that scene, so he's given Zorin access to the mine. I okay. believe. Okay. All right. So, and it's and it's all here when you know we're we're kind of getting to the nitty gritty of like this is crazy, but we're we're setting off explosions underground to flood fault lines to therefore set off a double earthquake to flood the entire region of Silicon Valley in central Northern California and kill all these people. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the body count gets kind of crazy. In this yeah. Machine <laughs> gun nonsense. Yeah. In the- yeah, which is, I mean, not unusual, but it's, I don't know, kind of unusual for a Bond movie. Yeah, I mean, especially since it's just 
innocent people being gunned down. Yes. They, yeah. they have no yeah. idea, meaning like it's not hen- nameless henchmen running around. It is these miners and these uh, people who assisted under the, uh, they thought that they were just acting on orders essentially right, doing, doing their the day job. job. Yeah, yeah. And like the mine floods. And then as they're trying to lift themselves out of this flooded mine shaft, uh, Zorin and his uh, head of security, Scarpine, they gun them it's down in shooting. the water. And yeah. it's just very brutal. Yeah. For, this movie. <laughs> for the tone of this movie, it's so brutal. And so like such a tonal shift. Right. Right. And it's like, okay, I guess that's the Zoran kind of characters. He's, you know, he's just unhinged or whatever. But yeah, I feel like it does come kind of a little out of left field. And you're just a little like, wow, this is, this is heavy. This is, this is, a <laughs> this is a lot. And, um, but you know, it does give us kind of Mayday and, and James working together. Yeah. Because Zorin has abandoned her, full well knowing that she's stuck in the mine, yes. pursuing James Bond, and he just commands that they start flooding it. Yeah. Um, knowing that she With will likely die. Yeah, yeah. And she's now a woman scorned, seeing the corpses of her friends floating in the water and everything. <laughs> oh, it just says Jenny. Yeah. We weren't really or sure not. if the blonde was Allison Duty or if they just kind of traded her out with somebody else. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of like, was that her this whole time? Apparently that was her the whole time. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Mayday gets to go out a hero. She does. Yep. We um, one thing the uh we did not really touch on the uh the KGB is also after uh Zorin this entire time and he like kills one of their agents and James Bond himself seduces an old flame named Pola Ivanova, right. whom he seduces in this uh hot tub in a um uh bathhouse. Yeah. And, They've gone back to a lot of vaginas <laughs> like uh apartment. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of water play in this movie. There uh, really is. At the end, in the hot tub. Uh, and there's at the a, very beginning with icebergs, and there's also a lot of like tape recording and like fake fake outs with tapes and like audio cassette tapes. Yeah, because that was another thing where she was like, "Oh, I've got all the info," but then he went over and was like, did a little switcheroony and like she ended up with the classical music instead of like whatever it was that she thought she got. You didn't really get a lot of gadgets, like cue gadgets, in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, not until the very end when this like mechanical robotic cat spies yeah. on oh, them. Oh yeah, sure. And, yeah. Yeah. The weird uh, Roomba robot, yeah. Yeah, just very like that would be a supporting character on a sitcom in the day. Oh, absolutely. I think. Well, I mean well, that was that was also really big in the eighties because there's a robot that shows up in Rocky Four. Sure. But that but there was a a, a Doctor Who uh kind of analogy that was his name was k9 if you could believe who came up with that uh yeah and it was a dog but it was big like it was essentially that but like scaled up like two times or three times the size of that and so that was a little side character in the late 70s early 80s doctor who um series but yeah so and i think that was kind of for the british audiences i guess but yeah, the the gadgetry in this was yeah. we we got we got some like tape recording and and that's about it. 
Yeah, lots of analog devices, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayday's final feat of strength is lifting the mine uh, up with that crane winch hook situation yep. that she was able to maneuver. But yeah, when okay, when they they put the mine on the or, or the explosive device on the cart and they like shove the cart away and Roger Moore falls. And I don't know if that's like intentional or <laughs> accidental mm. or what, but like the brake, like, you know, gets stuck and she's like the brake. So she has to go and like hold the handbrake. So, so the explosive blows up outside of the mine. That shit is like, that's a pretty good like yeah. scene right there. She's mm-hmm. just like, get Zorin for me. You're just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> well, and she gets to see him. She gets to see Christopher Walken when she goes outside, yeah. too. Yeah. So she gets one last fuck you. The blimp comes around yep. the corner. Yeah. And he's like, oh, mayday. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good Christopher Walken <laughs> Thank you. I can, you do one word at a time. I can't do the whole, like... <laughs> she, you bit. see her face, because like, sink, uh, in a way, yeah. in this very brief shot. She's coming out of the mind looking jubilant of, like, I am going to end this. Yeah. Um, and she sees Zoran's blimp, and she immediately scowls, and then boom, yeah. the bomb goes yeah. off. And yeah, it's very like she went out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. She re- wouldn't say she necessarily redeems herself, right. but she uh, is a useful ally in her final moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, on the one hand, I was like, yeah, it would have been cool to have like a big like blowout fight with like her and James, or I mean. I don't think uh, I don't think what uh, Sutton Jenny Jenny Sutton. Um, I don't think she, that would have been a fair fight. But I think maybe her and James kind of having one final like you know little tussle at the end would have been cool. But I th- but this if we couldn't have that, she did have to kind of switch sides. And this was, James doesn't beat up ladies though. That's the thing he couldn't. He only beats up ladies her. when they're when they're when they're disguised. Men, when they're disguised. <laughs> they're men disguised. That's a man, ladies. baby. <laughs> They also do that in uh, in Thunderball that yeah. I was kind of gagged. Right. At. Yep. It's the opening at a funeral. <laughs> he punches the alleged widow, yeah. the presumed widow, that who is not what she seems. God, that fucked Pete me was, up. Like, <laughs> Pete was at his desk, like, working, because he works from home, and I was just watching it on TV. And I was like, Pete, like, you need to come and watch the scene, because it's straight up Austin Powers. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, that's not going to be a man. Oh, yeah. He beat the shit out of that old lady. So I thought that I had read that they were maybe thinking about transitioning bonds even at this time because I think that Roger Moore had done his contract and they were just doing movie to movie. So were they considering replacing him even before View to a Kill and it just didn't work out? Well, the thing with Moore was even no matter how campy his movies were, they were still very successful. They made and money. So the Broccoli's, uh, Albert R. Broccoli, who yeah. is the producer and his family, um, continues to produce these movies today. Um, they, Moore was kind of a part of that family unit uh, after doing yeah. this many movies. And by the point, I, he was originally contracted for four, I believe, with Moonraker. And then it became a movie-by-movie movie contract and by the time we reached Octopussy, James Brolin auditions to replace uh, Roger Moore. And they kind of dangle that in front of him so he'll sign on. Sure. And so there's this looming, like, uh, pressure in some ways for Moore. But Moore decides to step away from the role after this, knowing that his age is contributing to people not really believing in his capacity to be a spy. Okay. 
I mean, it's wild that when you look at the Bond movies from the 80s, Never Say Never is just kind of awkwardly sitting there because it's not officially produced with the family. No, yeah, right. That yeah, is, which is a remake which is weird. of Thunderbolt. Yeah. Because Kevin McClory, who owned the rights to it at that time, um, uh, had co-written parts of Thunderball because Thunderball was originally written as a TV episode. Oh. with Ian Fleming and then he turned it in, into a book um so uh they didn't get the rights to Spectre or anything like that until well into the 2010s oh shit okay um so who do we get next after Roger Moore Timothy Dalton we do yes but, and uh, he was a name that was bandied about for a few years yeah. as well as a potential spoiler uh, for uh, replacing James Bond. And for me, he is the closest thing to James Bond on the page. Okay. As okay. Yeah. He only got two movies. Right. Uh, the series too. was bogged down with like financial and legal woes at that for six years. So then we get splashy golden eye in 1995. I remember when I was a kid, I was around 10 years old when golden eye came out and I remember it being a huge deal. When Goldeneye mm-hmm. came out, yeah, I mean Pierce Brosnan was just Remington Steel. Yeah, it was Remington Steel. Uh, it, yeah, it was a big, it was a big deal, and it was very much that like I don't know, it was it was, it was the '90s. It was just like special effects. We were just like, okay, now we can really do some cool shit with with these movies. But I have not seen it since I first. I saw mean, it. It, it, it gave us Famke Jensen. It did. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, yeah, on a top. Yeah. And uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan in '86 was going to be announced as James sure. Bond. I know and that Reming he was supposed still to. Got renewed. Yeah. Okay. And so that's how Timothy Dalton did wind up with the role. And so, in the public perception, in some ways, it seemed like he was the runner-up versus the actual one that they wanted in mind. Okay. I feel like at the time, I mean, probably, I guess it would track that it's the same now uh pierce brosnan is younger than timothy dalton i believe I think, so yeah i think so um but pierce brosnan oh, older, uh, older than you think he is um i really liked uh i'll oh, go ahead oh sorry um I was going to say, and at this point, we've finally reached the point where uh, Stacy is getting, she does not hear that blimp behind her. And yet again, she's just saying, James. Yeah. James. Yeah. Like, and gets snatched up off the ground into a blimp, a completely silent, a full ass airship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, these stunts on the uh, Golden Gate Bridge, pretty successful. Like yeah, I mean, I think there's at least one shot where it looks, oh, bitch, that's in camera. It's it's <laughs> it's the shot that's going right down the bridge that I think that they actually like set up a camera there and they had actors on wires on it. I mean, I, I, I don't know how they did it. it. It looks good though. They eventually, of course, for the close-ups and everything, they reconstructed a pretty large set of the Golden Gate Bridge uh, in Pinewood Studios for uh, the parts where, you know, yeah. Stacy's about to fall off right. and we need that, like, close-up tension. Yeah. But the stuntmen in those wide shots on the bridge, it's stunning. And it's yeah. great to see San Francisco at that time, yeah. you know, preserved. So, yeah. I was um, reading that, speaking of the pond, the speaking of the Bond stage, 
in the 80s that this was the first movie that got to shoot on the Bond stage when they rebuilt it. Because after the fire. What, what's like after the fire during Ridley Scott's Legend, um, I can't remember what movie the stage was built for in the 70s. It's the like Spy Who Loved Me. The Spy Who Loved Me. And yeah, and then it burnt down during the production of Legend, and then they rebuilt it. And I believe A View to a Kill was one of the first productions that shot in it. But yeah, it's one of those things that uh, it, it, this movie takes so much from different. Uh, um, just facets that Roger Moore movies have touched on before, or James Bond movies have touched before. It's essentially a remake of Gold Goldfinger. I wanted to say Gold Member, um, <laughs> uh, whereas it's microchips instead of uh, gold Pure bullion. Gold. <laughs> um, but we're also seeing a trend in the Roger Moore in the seventies and eighties of like James Bond used to define a genre, and now it's chasing different genres. Uh, or uh, trends like w- in this case MTV. Previously, it was black exploitation, kung fu movies, sure. Star Wars. He goes to outer space and Moonraker. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's, it feels very tired. And so at this point, and so I, it was necessary to cast somebody new at yeah. this point yeah. to yeah. totally shift it. Yeah, um, I feel like with the. Starting with the Pierce Brosnan movies, we really got uh, – well, it was always there. But we really got this idea of the villain kind of uh, – something kind of grotesque about them or just kind of a little bit uh, – because there's the – in um, is it Tomorrow Never Dies? He's got like diamonds like embedded in his face from like an explosion. In uh- – <laughs> Die another day. Die another day. Die another sorry. day. What, yep. what am I thinking? Die another day. Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies famously opened the same day as Titanic. Almost beat Titanic as number one at the box office, too. It was very, very close. Okay. Yep. The Broccoli's can rest easy knowing that every day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they were number two to Titanic. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Scott was talking about uh, Adele kicking off the trend of. Bond songs well, I mean, winning Oscars. I feel like after Skyfall, it's like those past three, uh, Adele, Sam Smith, and um, Billy Eilish, like all have Oscars because of those songs. Right. You would think something like that would have happened like way earlier. Yeah. I, I mean, think we have Paul McCartney and Wings doing yeah. Live and Let Die. Nobody does it better. Diamonds are forever. I mean, like I think, any that, I think there was yeah. just a weird snobbery with the music branch about James Bond songs. I mean, I think that you occasionally got them in, but not a lot, though. Right. And a lot of them, you know, they're John Barry, like, Torch songs in some ways. Yeah. And, like, Shane Easton's For Your Eyes Only, that's one that I think got much more critical praise in some ways okay. and like, fanfare. Well, especially um, but, because in the 80s, uh, like, the best original song, they were pop songs. Yeah. Like, you don't really, for a long time, like, in the 2000s or, like, I don't know, for a long time we've been kind of missing that, like, movie tie-in pop song, you know? And, um, I guess yeah. that the new James Bond movies are the closest thing, too. But I, I, I do not like Sam Smith's song from Spectre. Oh. I think it's a snooze. The melody is lovely, but I really dislike the falsetto yeah. uh, in that song. And oh, sure. I don't, it's weird considering whose perspective is the song from? Oh. Um, whereas uh, A View to a Kill, the perspective is very just like, I, I perceive it as being very much 
the villain song yeah, in right, some right, ways. Yeah. The um, official video for A View to a Kill, the Duran Duran video, is kind of amazing. It's very, it's very 1985. There's like a like a cutout of like a camcorder, like a VHS camcorder that's like green screen. That's like fl- it's supposed to be like remote operated, and it's like flying around. It's <laughs> it's pretty low rent. But they're all it's all based around the Eiffel Tower and Duran Duran are all running around the Eiffel Tower like being spies. It's kinda cute. Yeah. <laughs> Fashion photo shoots yes. and wearing berets. Yeah, yeah. With their with their huge hair. Uh you know, it. I have seen every James Bond movie since Die Another Day, which is over twenty years ago. I've seen them all in the theater. I don't know that I can say the same thing. Yeah. I mean I that was the first one I saw in theaters as well. Yep. Um, I remember being really disappointed with it oh. when it came out. Oh, yeah. Yep. Awful. <laughs> um, they had to reboot that. Pierce Brosnan is notable in the sense of, like, he's the only Bond to ever be fired from the role. Which sure. is funny because I feel like Die Another Day made decent money, but I guess it was just pretty hated. It was just, they had just reached so far into just the ridiculousness of this. Yeah, they leaned in yeah, so much that like Austin Powers was very, had a lot of power in those days. Yeah, of sure. just like people associate Austin Powers more with James Bond at this point than the character of James Bond. And in that die another day yeah, is with the true. invisible car, right? In like the ice yeah. palace. Yes. Yeah. And Madonna. It introduced all of us to um, Rossman Pike too, is the first thing I ever saw her in. Right, it didn't do. It, that is the blessing of Die Another Day is that we were introduced to Rosalind Pike <laughs> as uh, Miranda Frost. Um, oh, but Jinx, uh, Halle Berry's yeah. Jinx, almost got a spinoff. Um, That's right. I forgot about that. It's well, I feel like that was that yeah, so awkward the, time with MGM where they were really starting to go into financial problems. So that was probably one of the things that had to be next was the Jinx right. spinoff. And so now that half of the now that MGM is bought out by Amazon, we're now seeing like more Bond specials crop up on Amazon Prime. We're seeing uh, 007 Road to a Million, this reality TV show, Amazing Race esque show ah. um, that licenses the James Bond character. Um, but I, I am curious. What does this universe look like? Is it going to be a film universe? Or are there going to be spinoffs? I don't... As a purist, I don't really care to see that. Sure. I mean, I like that... It, it like I like that it looks like they are taking their time developing the new movie. That they aren't rushing into it. Because, I mean... I mean, I feel like... Hasn't it been a while since a new James Bond movie? Oh, bitch. It came out in 2021. Yeah. Like, and, <laughs> and they, it was supposed to come out in 2019. Yeah, yeah, they well. sat on that shit for... <laughs> I mean, almost two years. I, yeah, the yeah. original date was 2019. I remember at one point, Danny Boyle was supposed to direct it. And he went to go do the Beatles movie instead. And the true detective guy, Kerry Fukunaga, ended up taking it over. And that was an early pandemic. Yeah, that was an early pandemic like uh, move that I remember that was when shit was starting to get real of, oh, bitch. They moved yeah. No Time to Die yeah. from the March date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I finally saw it in 2021 in uh, Palm Springs <laughs> in October of 2021 <laughs> in Palm Springs for a friend's birthday trip. And I sat when I told everybody the runtime 
only two would bite. <laughs> it's the longest. It's the longest James Bond movie. Well, yep. Yeah. How, how long is it's it? Like, it's okay. almost three. Hours. I'm a wide net here. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, I think you guys glossed over a, a really important part of just the Bond legacy. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> yep. Scott does not share my enthusiasm for Madonna's song, Die Another Day. I mean, it's an okay song. <laughs> Probably better than the actual movie. And yeah. also it her cameo. Fits the movie that it's in. I'll, I'll say the quality of that song <laughs> is of the quality of the film that it appears. <laughs> that is, However, that is a if I hear that in a gay bar, I will get my life. Yeah. That is... A song that I don't really hear that often yeah. that I'm like, yes, this hit the spot. But it does not beat <laughs> Beautiful Stranger, which no, Madonna uh, recorded for The yeah. Spy Who Shags Me. Yeah, the yeah, better And the better James Bond song. <laughs> yep. I mean, that, that should have been the song that got Madonna the Oscar. But <laughs> we know how Oscar feels about Madge. Yeah, and that, yeah. It wasn't even, it wasn't that big of a, of a commercial hit. We just loved it because we're crazy Madonna gays. And that's off of American Life, right? I think it's American Life. Uh, Die Another Day is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Die Another Day is on American Life, but the Awesome Power song is on the soundtrack. Yeah, that was a single. It's on the, yeah, it's on on the, the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, how do you, how do you want to see the new James Bond movie cast? Do you want to see younger? Like, who is your I, ideal James Bond? You know, I, I think I would like to see some options. I, yeah. I I think Regé Jean Page from uh, Bridgerton season one mm-hmm. is a contender. Sure. He gives Pierce Brosnan vibes to me. Of I can charismatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, um, who Ben Aldridge, who was in Fleabag, and he played the guy that fucks her up the ass in the in the first episode. <laughs> um, and he was in Knock at the Cabin. Knock at the Cabin, spoiler alert. That's right. Uh, oh, he's, oh, he's really cute in spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, spoiler alert. Um, I, I will always associate him with Fleabag of that opening episode. Um, and then, like, Riz Ahmed, I think, would be cool. He, oh, I love Riz Ahmed. One, the bone structure alone yeah. uh, would be amazing. Uh, shot in these gorgeous surroundings, but you know he's already been nominated for an Oscar, so I doubt that he would bite on that. Mm. Um, but maybe Richard Madden too. But I, Madden I do think be... that it's worth diversifying this role racially. Sure. I do think though that the character should remain uh, British or yeah, um, in the Commonwealth. At yeah. I don't want an American playing that role. Yeah, agreed. I, I definitely agree with that. Are there any? I mean, are there any actors out there that have kind of are seriously being considered? Like rumor? I think it's all speculative at yeah, this point. Yeah. I mean, I would assume uh, that they're yeah. doing meetings with actors right now, but I don't think anything's really broken to the press about it. Sure. No. Yeah. I. I like right now the flavor of the month for this is Jacob Elordi of people being like he. He's a contender now for James Bond. Um, and I'd be curious to see, but I, I don't really see that. I don't want to go that young. Um, sure. I think yeah. we need to find somebody in their late 30s. So we can yeah, he, he does turn out a bunch of films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does kind of read a little too young for that, despite his height. 
I think now villain. I want Isabel Hubert to be a villain. Oh, she would be a really fun villain. Yeah. I mean, they've never done uh, a full Lady Bond villain, have they? One could argue that Sophie Marceau's Electric Oh, King, that's right. Yeah, she is pretty much the villain of, of The World Is Not Enough. Yeah. And Rosa Klebb, played by Lenya in um, From Russia With Love, is kind of the... She's in service of Spectre, but she's the main antagonist of this. Um, uh, but I, I think that we're past due on a female antagonist uh, really calling the shots. And Isabel would be great. Tilda Swinton, of course. Um, let's get Kim Cattrall. She, Glamorous just got canceled. Oh, yeah. She's not on it just like oh, that. Oh, was Glamorous How I officially canceled? canceled. So, oh, no. Kim, audition, please. <laughs> We liked what we saw of Glamorous. We watched like cute. two or three episodes. <laughs> but that guy, like the guy that plays her son is almost, he's of that caliber of actor that you're almost too good looking. Mm. Like you're like, you're crazy looking because you're so handsome. <laughs> That's how I feel about uh, um, Richard Madden with that silver swoopy hair. I'm just like, <laughs> I can't take you seriously, but please go for James Bond. Sure. So I can sure. just get you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, speak, kind of speaking of which, speaking of too handsome for the room, we're never, we're never going to get Henry Cavill. Oh, yeah. Bond. Henry Cavill's name is always thrown out there. I mean, I don't, think it would be, I don't think it would be very wise for him to jump from one franchise to the no. other. Yeah. And he's going to be an Argyle. So I think that is going to be the answer to uh. that. Like forever quest. Oh, that's the um, viral. that's the Guy Ritchie movie, right? With Claire Dan- or with uh, Dua Lipa. Yeah, Dua Lipa and um. Oh, that yeah, that looks wild. Why am I blanking on her name? Uh, doesn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> never mind. Sophia Butea. Oh, she was in um one of the Kingsman movies. She was, she was in yeah. uh uh. She the mummy. She was, she was the lady mummy. Uh, Scott, are you thinking of Bryce Dallas Howard? Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. I called her Claire because that's her character name in Jurassic. In Jurassic Park. World. <laughs> 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 oh shit! Yeah, that's right. Bryce Dallas Howard is in that movie as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. That movie looks insane. Right. Our our girl looks like a lot. <laughs> I'm. But yeah. I. What about you all? Do you envision? Do you have any sort of hopes, dreams, uh, things that you'd like to see fulfilled? In? Yeah, gosh. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I think I'm pretty open to the casting of it, and I'm fine with getting somebody who isn't as well known because it's not like Daniel Craig was a household name. I think the only thing that I remember him from was Road to Perdition when he was announced for Casino Royale. But um, I'm curious to see where it's going to evolve of them just kind of trying to build the brand into the future. And I'm looking forward to it, especially kind of closing that chapter with uh, no time to die of that. No time to die seems so final of like, this is, this is the, this is the rebooted James Bond movie. This is the gritty James Bond movies. And we are closing a chapter on it. Cause that's the thing is that I feel like Casino Royale really, did well of a rebooted franchise and making it gritty and new too. If you know what I, 
if if you kind of know what I mean. Yeah, it's like right. when Batman and Robin went from Joel Schumacher to Christopher Nolan. Uh-huh. I think that they did something like that with James Bond, and it was pretty successful. Even though the Daniel Craig movies, I do find very hit or miss. Like Quantum of Solace, not good. Uh, Skyfall, Spectre. one of my favorite James Bond movies ever, and then Spectre is not great. So yeah, and I I enjoyed No Time to Die despite it having too many villains. Um, but I I do think that I my hope is that the series goes into a more Roger Mori. Sure, I want I, I want, want them the to be a little back. more fun. Yeah, I, I want them to enjoy themselves. Yeah. It, it, things became so dour in the Daniel Craig films for too long. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I feel like is somebody like Jamie Dornan a little too easy? I I do really like Jamie Dornan. Do you really like? Jamie I mean, Jamie Dornan is not. I mean, he had the he had the Fifty Shades movie, so I guess he did one franchise. But yeah, I think he would be a good James. Bond. I think Tom Hardy is a little too. He's too on the nose. Oh, yeah, too on the nose, and also I think it would stay in this like darker kind of yeah. direction. I don't think, think he could do. I think camp, Jamie Dornan would be camp. Fun. That we're, mm-hmm. that I, I mean, he in uh, what's it? Um, Barb and Star. Barb and Star. Yeah. <laughs> star turn for him. <laughs> And then he was great in Haunting in Venice for this, like, really thankless role. You're right. (laughs) He got to sing in Belfast, too. Yes, yes. Uh, Notably, that's much better of the (laughs) Kenneth Branagh collection to draw out of than Haunting in Venice. Oh, my gosh. gosh. Like, I remember us. We really liked Belfast, but I remember sitting in the theater and just being like, yeah, that figures Kenneth Branagh is going to cast two of the most beautiful people Irish on earth to play his parents, play his parents. <laughs> like when they're when they're talking about they're gonna have to go to london to what, find new what, work. whatever shall we do <laughs> whatever shall we do it's like oh or you can just walk your mom and dad into the ford modeling <laughs> agency yeah <laughs> and i think you'll be fine <laughs> otherwise mm-hmm. good movie though yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he kind of popped in my head, but I was thinking maybe he's a little too like on the. Too on the but I think, um, what's his name? Venom. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is yeah. That he, I think he would be a little bit more in in line with what we were with where we're going. And yeah, I do, I would like to go back to like a a camp kind of a of a thing. I don't know if audiences are that willing to accept that with James Bond right now, but. I don't know. We'll see. At one point, I would have said Michael Fassbender, and it's great to see him in the Killer. Uh, that I, I, I want to see that the is killer. the closest we're going to get at this point. But sure. when he played Magneto in First Class, that section of him like hunting down Nazis was very Bondian. <laughs> sure. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't mind watching Michael Fassbender on <laughs> on screen. Mm-hmm. I always forget he's in 300. Yeah, that was one of his first big American American movies. Every time, 300. Every yeah. time that shit shows up on like TBS or whatever, I'm like, oh yeah, there's there's naked Michael Fassbender. All um, right, well, we should probably so we should probably wrap up. Um, yeah. Final final thoughts. Gun to your head. Favorite James Bond movie. Uh, Go. <laughs> Spy Who Loved Me. Okay, my favorite James Bond song too. Yes, Carly it has Simon, everything. Beautiful. It has yep. the KGB, an underwater car. A, uh, a webbed fingered villain, uh, <laughs> and you'll miss it. And he wants to cause nuclear war so he can start a society under the sea. Wow. 
That's it's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty that good. is pretty good. Scott, what do you got? I hate to be basic, but I do really like Skyfall. I think it's a great movie. I'm going to have to go with that one. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I just have such an affection for these Roger Moore movies because these are the ones that I saw in the theater. Sure. When I was little, little kid and kind of probably fell in and out of sleep, probably <laughs> didn't understand any of it. But, um, yeah, I think I, – I, I don't know. I, I think – I just have such a, a, a specific place in my memory for this because I know me and my sister and my dad on our like weekend movie trips saw this, and just I love Grace Jones cheering for Grace Jones <laughs> when she picks up that dude. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to go with Video Kill, you guys. I'm here for it. Hey, day we salute you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. She's gonna be an entire like section of our Instagram for like a week. <laughs> so, <laughs> she so was she was at we hope pride this past year she sure was mm-hmm. she sure was she was uh i don't know if she was a headliner but she was she was on the main stage i wanted to see her and orville peck do like a don't go breaking my heart duet oh. or something <laughs> that would have been fun orville and she was on in no time to die what Stop. Where is she Not in No Time to Die? Day, she would have been in the scenes in Jamaica as a club owner or something. And it just oh, didn't work out. Oh, 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 they were trying to get her yeah, into the movie yeah. and it didn't work out. Yeah. That would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been fun. It would have been, right? Yeah. In my revisionist history, I would have been like, no, May Day survived that explosion. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But you know what she I like about off. if you're going to be kind of cap on the queer discussion with James Bond, I do like of how they film Daniel Craig. From Casino Royale to all of his movies, it's very like, oh, bitch, we got Daniel Craig. We got when the he body. walks right. out, <laughs> when he walks out of the ocean in the little trunk, like in the little trunks. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it pretty much changed like beach fashion for men. <laughs> I mean, 2006 metrosexuality yeah. at all time high, and he was the metrosexual Bond for oh, that time. But yeah, we're not seeing a sizzle reel of Roger Moore in his safari suits or No, you're seeing <laughs> You're seeing Daniel Craig like strapped to that chair naked. Yeah. hmm <laughs> Getting his balls beat up. Mm. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, I think they're gonna have to continue that trend of like the ultra I mean, Bond has always been a, a sexy character, but yeah. But yeah, you're right. I think I think the uh, the the length of of men's swimwear is definitely going to a good place. Yeah. these days, and it probably has a lot to do with with Daniel Craig emerging from the ocean, like Ursula Andress mm-hmm. and and Halle Berry before him, right? And <laughs> Venus, the goddess Venus, <laughs> in that damn clamshell. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Well, this has been so much fun talking about this movie. Yes, thank you so much, Garrett. Uh, yeah, this this has been a great time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me yeah. to talk a little bit about uh, my favorite James Bond. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We were so excited to talk about this movie that I forgot to list the specs of this movie, that it's directed by John Glenn, and it was released May 24th, 1985. Oh, we were just okay. so excited that's to start okay. talking about that's it. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for, for bringing this one back to our attention. We've always kind of had this on our radar. We own it. It's in our iTunes uh, catalog. We purchased it back for uh, for How Did This Get Made? But it's uh, it's one that we, we really enjoy. And, and yeah, we're always like super on top of you know, 
the next the next Bond movie. So so thank you for for yeah, coming on for so for a talk for this. And yeah, we should definitely have you on in the future for another movie, man. Let's let's get thinking about it. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, here we come. Ooh, hey, there you go. We almost did it this year too. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's still yeah. it's, it's still, still there though still open yeah, yeah but the, still the open that's still open so all right <laughs> you play your cards right well all we right. will we'll let, you, we'll let go. you go thank you so much for coming on we'll talk to you soon man yeah bye bye thank you so much for listening everybody thank you so much yes indeed another fun episode i'm telling uh, you this week's instagram is going to be dedicated to grace jones yes. and there's plenty of content out there if you're not familiar with grace do yourself a favor. Look her up. She's amazing. Her uh, Grace Jones has a version of La Vie en Rose, the song. It's on iTunes and Spotify. It is almost eight minutes long. It is so good. She is a prolific um, she has a really, recording artist. She has a lot of really good songs. She has a I'm lot not of really perfect. good songs. That's a really good song. Yes. She yep. has got a very distinct voice. She's got a very distinct look. She, I mean... People that are out there, people will argue out there that she has been doing successfully what Lady Gaga has been doing yeah. for 40 years. And, and, and Lady Gaga would probably say uh, that, sure. too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If Huge inspiration to her. Yeah, if you're a fan of Drag Race, they're always mentioning Grace. If you're a fan of America's Next Top Model, she's always brought up. She's a trailblazer for, you know, for black models in, you know, in the industry. She's an icon. And Icon, she's, and she's in the Pee Wee's Playhouse Christmas Special. Look she sings little, she sings little drummer boy. She sings little drummer boy with Pee Wee. Um, yeah, Grace Jones is amazing. And so is James Bond. But um, I think it's about that time. Oh, for Patreon shoutouts, let's hear them. Uh, well, we want to say a great big hello and thank you so much to all of our patrons, including uh, let's see who do we got: Tammy and Roberto, Brett, Trent, Daisy, Kelly, Chrissy. Stephen, Jake, Desiree, Laura, Garrett, Thomas, Lori, Brenna, uh, Jessa Rabbit, forty-five, Lawrence, Lisa, Alexis, Thomas, Millie, Ted, Benny, Jermel, Melanie, Susan, JJ, Shelby, Jamie, Drew, Genevieve, Don, Josh, uh, Emma, Millie, Aaron, Nick, and Shannon, Christine, and Rufino. You guys, thank you, for being thank you so much. Thank you so much for being patrons. Head over to patreoncom gay for all of our additional content, including over thirty watchlist commentaries and our new television that made us. You'll get the TV seconds. episode, which though will be one out very shortly yes. to when this episode comes yes, out. Yes, indeed, it's a brand new series on uh, Patreon. We're talking about movie, or we're talking about TV shows. And, um, yeah, we got to get a new one up and running. And uh, I'll be here very, very soon. So thank you for doing that. All of your donations go directly to keeping the show on the air every Friday ad-free. You guys, we haven't taken a break in a year. No. <laughs> we have not taken time off from this show since January. January. February. January. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's all there. It's all free. It's all for yeah. you to listen to, and it's all because of patrons. Thank you so much for supporting us. You can go ahead and also, if you'd like, give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. We would love that. Yes, indeed. If you have Apple Podcasts, or if you have an iPhone, I should say, you have Apple Podcasts already pre-installed, you can just search Movies That Made Us Gay, and you can write a review like this one.
from Apple Podcast listener Big Liz at T D. That doesn't make sense. Uh, the title of the review is Love! Exclamation point. Really love this podcast. I enjoy hearing the reviews in these movies. Makes me remember them or want to watch. Great job. Five stars. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, man or lady or anything in between. You know, you guys re- uh, writing these reviews are uh, – it's quick, it's easy, it's free, and it helps us out a lot um, uh, in uh, the Apple Podcasts uh, charts. And um, you know what else helps us out is – liking, commenting, reposting on Instagram. Yeah. We're at Movies That Made Us Gay on Instagram. Uh, We just got uh, 3,000 followers on Instagram. Thank you so much. That's a big milestone for us. Um, Keep it coming. But follow us on all the socials. We're most active on Instagram. We're also on X and Blue Sky and all that, too. Yeah. We're at MTMEG Pod on those. We're at Movies That Made Us Gay on uh, Instagram and Facebook. So follow us on all the socials. If you want to follow our personals, feel free. My name is Pete. I'm at Peter Lasagna on Instagram. I'm Scott Youngballer on Instagram. And follow my letterbox. Yes, indeed. Uh, Thanks for listening once again. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.